0: For
1: there is no time limit for you to grieve, no matter how hard things may be in your
0: heart. I want you to hide me. When you are sad, think of me. I know how strong you can be. That's why I'm in heaven, smiling. For I am besides the all-time king. That's where you will find me. Because you did not leave me blindly.
2: Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is I Am Big Poetry Podcast. Yay! And I'm here with the phenomenal spoken word artist, motivational speaker, Oakland Native, Oaktown, And also, as tall as myself, i like to give y'all t- i like to give y'all. Now, here's the thing that always cracked me up about this name. They say Tasha Turner or Latasha Turner, you know what? He's just teaching to me. I like to give y'all six-footer the
1: poet. Woo! What up? This... Hey, hey! I like doing?
0: no intro.
2: I, I try. <laughs> you just put, put me on. Put me on every time you get to your shows and say, like, "Just let him do my intro. I'll be good."
0: Hey, great. <laughs> That'll be perfect.
2: But now, how you doing?
0: I'm great. All right, I'm <laughs> good.
2: Okay, but now thank you for coming on the show and stuff, and we just want to get you on the podcast and talk to you and stuff and wrap. but I know we met we met uh we met a couple of times before, but we also met online again, but you've always intrigued me because your story your story infatuates a lot of things beyond just the female perspective it also it also engages tobacco situations um domestic violence and stuff it's just a lot of stuff that's unpacked, but I always want to know. What got you into poetry? What's what's your origin?
0: Um, I wouldn't say I have an origin. Uh-oh. Yeah, I write about almost everything. Um, What got me into poetry was Maya Angelou.
1: Okay.
0: Back in fifth grade, I entered the competition. And I won the competition. And um, it was like a little $500 in the fifth grade um it was the i wrote money. a poem about my mom right <laughs> i wrote a poem about my mom and uh i won no so nice. that's when i started writing i just would write i just wrote as a hobby like um it was my escape from the world uh growing up in poverty and hard times trying to figure out life and as a kid you know you feel isolated and excluded from a lot of things when i was sixty so I'm taller than everybody, but I wasn't always six feet. I didn't become six feet until I was what like, junior high school. Uh. but um I was always every school picture, I'm the one in the back. I you ain't gotta tell me where to go, I know. <laughs> I was just walking straight to the back. and be standing out back there with all the guys. But I always was bigger than everybody else. I always felt excluded, um, isolated, black sheep and everything. So writing was my, my way of dealing with the world okay
1: okay
2: but right. so speaking with so you're an oakland native are you still in oak, oakland i live in vallejo oh, okay okay well, well moving up <laughs> still in the bay area <laughs> but how so tell me about the oak um what made you move from oakland to vallejo is the Oakland life is it because of gentrification and stuff and everything or just
0: a little bit of both mm-hmm. uh, i needed to move um uh, then plus, I have a son. Okay. So, and then people looked at me like, Vallejo not but the school district that my son, the system, my son is in special needs.
1: Okay.
0: So, the system in Oakland is totally messed up when it comes to special needs. Okay. So, uh, it kind of makes it a lot easier for me dealing with my kid. Okay. Uh, then plus, I kind of like it out here. I'm excluded from everybody again. <laughs> <laughs> And it's kind of like once I
2: cross that bridge, hey, it's the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> but no doubt. I get that. So so some of your poems, the uh, poems that have been really that really have been popularized a lot. Um, one is your no to tobacco poem.
1: This letter is for menthol CEO, the inventor, the brains, the doctor of tobacco. Thank you. Thank you for taking my mother away from me. Thank you for diminishing her time with me. Thank you for creating this cancer-causing lung collapsing, aging in a box of a disease. Thank you. No, you did not physically kill her, but you killed my time with her, for you created this disease, this cancer in a stick that caused her to get hooked to it. So thank you.
2: Which has got critical acclaim in newspapers and also, did you point out, it also has been part of um, tobacco movements of basically stopping tobacco for where it starts, most of the menthol side of it for a black for of African Americans or people of color. I always like saying African Americans, so I think where people of color just says like they're just saying colored people are saying colored again. It's like yeah. that, that each word that's people like, oh people of color, it's such a good word. It's like no, it's, it's it doesn't it doesn't cover right I feel I still feel that old sixty thing come back on. Oh, are those right. colors over there. It's like, no, we're not colors, fool. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah talk talk to us about the um the tobacco movement that y'all are um pushing for and stuff
0: well it's, at this point it's called in game 2035, 2035, hoping that we will be done in in the state of California with selling tobacco um, right now, the fight is to push that they stop selling. Um, menthol and flavored tobacco because it targets our children. Um, a lot of people don't know that they used to go back in, back in the day they used to go into neighborhoods and hand out cigarettes to kids and children that were like 13. Um, if you ever check Dave Chappelle's story, Dave Chappelle will tell you that he started um, smoking at the age of 13. He was handed some cigarettes at the age of 13. Um, they used to come through like the candy man. Like or like the ice cream man and just come through and hand away cigarettes, give them off to everybody. They had all these different studies done. Um, their main target has always been black people. The marketing, the way that they market, the way that they um, display, everything has been directly towards black people. Um, part of the system has been if you ever check the old stories and how they used to um, market it, it would always be a white woman and it would always be black men as main as their main characters for the commercials. And part of that reason, if you think about it back in the day, a lot of women, you know, black women were straightening their hair, trying to be accepted.
1: Right.
0: So trying to be like a white woman, not saying black women wanted to be white, but saying that this was the way to fit in. Yes, and yeah, exactly. And then <clears throat> doesn't love a black man. So, <laughs> so they use our black men as marketing tools for, I mean, at the beginning of, of putting it out there on TVs and commercials and things like that. Back then, black people weren't accepted. So if you think about it, when they put us out there, it's like, oh, I get to be on a billboard. Oh, I get to be in a commercial. And they're not knowing that the damage that is being done um, to the community. Um, handing it out to children, what was their main goal, if anyone looks it up, you can look in their papers. It's doctored up to say that they wanted children hooked at the age of 13 because at the, if they can get them hooked early, they'll have them for the rest of their life. And then since now, they've added more chemicals to alter your brain so that you will be hooked and it won't be easy to put one down. It's kind of like a chip. pop one you can't stop. So that's what they their main mission and their main target has been black people. Um, when they put the advertisement for the different flavors, they put it in eye level for children hmm. so that kids can see the colors, the flavors, ooh, bubblegum, ooh candy, you know, they're not knowing the damage that's gonna be done to them, especially like with the e cigarettes today, like the electronic, the jewels and yeah, all that maybe. stuff. Yes, that's that's okay. the e cigarettes, the jewels, the bubblegum flavored. I mean, what grown person is really looking for a bubblegum flavor? You know, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: so it's like they were they're trying to target our children. Grape, peach, all these different flavors, but it's eye level. So we've had to, they've had people go into these stores because they had to move their their their. Um, their products from being high level, they've had to move it from to behind the counter. Cause it used to be in front of the counter. Like you could just go in there. Right up. Oh. Um, they had to move where they even had the advertising. They had to stop advertising the color, the flavors and things like that. Um, we've had it to where it's had to be moved. Whereas most places it's locked up or behind the counter. And if it's being sold anywhere near a school that they have banned it being even sold within a hundred to 50 feet of a school because kids can walk in and they'll pick up. You know, so
2: you know it's funny ahead. that you point that out because I remember even in my high school, we were like only a block away from a liquor store and stuff. And I remember kids, you know, used to go in there just to go grab like gum or a little snacks because there was no grocery store nearby. It was just a liquor store nearby, and that place used to get a lot of lucrative money. I never thought of it. And you're right. It, it did have cigarettes too and stuff. And probably like the 17 year olds or 18 year olds used to like go in there and try to grab some or have a fake ID and just to grab up some stuff. So,
0: yeah. See Every school I've gone to, walking distance, you stop at the store yeah. and get you some now Yeah. so that you can sneak and eat them in class. Yeah. Yes. Every school. Every school I've been to because I used to have to walk to school. Every school. So there was always a liquor store with along the way or within a block of the school. And then after school, what do you do? You go pick up some chips.
2: Yep. Because <laughs> you're going to walk home.
0: Yes. <laughs> so, I, I mean, they do it on purpose. They know what they're doing. But, like, right now, our fight has been because um the enough is enough. Mm-hmm. That one has a lot to do with the fact that they were trying to stop all the other flavors except menthol. Mm-hmm. They, they were willing to cut off all the other flavors, but they wanted to make sure they kept menthol. Menthol is targeted towards black, black people. people. The majority of black know. people smoke Newport menthol.
1: Menthols,
0: yeah. So the fight has been because the other flavors are, are usually mm-hmm. sold in the suburbs
1: Yeah.
0: in those areas. those And so they were like, okay, we'll cut those out, but we'll keep those. So now they're just like basically saying, "Okay, we'll save them, but we're gonna go ahead and let y'all kill yourselves off."
2: It's only the cools and stuff, yeah.
0: <laughs> if you check, the further out like you go into suburb areas, you ever notice that there's a less advertisement for cigarettes? A lot of people don't. You got to check that I out. That.
2: You're right.
0: Um, because we're so used to it, it's something that you see on a regular basis. It's not gonna look no different to you. Right. But ever since I've been a part of this fight, I've noticed that if you go further out, the more you go to the suburb areas, go to Piedmont and Oakland. You'll see the difference from Piedmont to Oakland, down to Fruitvale in Oakland. Go to those two different areas and you'll see the difference. You'll see the difference in the marketing in the stores. You'll see the difference in the marketing in, basically in advertisements, on billboards, uh, uh, park benches, all that. You'll see the difference. So
2: It's, it's, it's just like the point of, is it Really, the demographic, they already know what their demographic is about or they already know where they're going to campaign to because they already know this side won't, this side ain't going to have it, but this side doesn't have no choice.
0: So the thing is, is that too, but the thing is, is that they want us.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because, okay, if you think about it, a black person, most people that smoke are usually saying to you they smoke because they stress. Right. They're usually saying that they're going through because they hard times in life, where right. or this, that, and the third. It's stressful. You got to figure out how you're going to pay. And they end up, like my mother, she passed away from smoking. So her money would go into cigarettes. Instead of the bills, right. her money started going into the cigarettes. So we would be behind on a bill, but we made sure she had her cigarettes. Mm. You get what I'm saying? So, like, I know of people today who will use their $10, $15 because the cigarettes have gone skyrocketed high, that they will spend their money on the cigarettes, but still be behind in bills. But so it's like I'm stressed out. I can't pay my bill. Well, then put the cigarette down. Right. They was, they they'll spend fifty, sixty dollars a month. And that could have been their cell phone bill. You know, they 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 don't have a problem with spending because it, it alters your brain to think that you need this as a coping mechanism.
2: Even with the fact that that the taxes, you know, they kept on taxing cigarettes higher and higher and higher. You would think that that would have been a moment of I'm going to quit this. Because there's no point in me keeping on trying to buy something that they're going the government's gonna keep
0: on taxing higher and higher because they're gonna keep getting revenue out of it. No, nope. hmm. once you're hooked, you're hooked. That is their main goal. You smoke a pack of cigarettes a day, you're hooked. You ain't putting that down. Hmm. You, your body, um, it's kind of like drugs. What
1: right,
0: right. once you realize, once your body um, realizes that you're taking it, it, it needs it. It becomes a, a lifeline for you. Like, I roll over and smoke a cigarette, and then, whoo, 15-minute break. Whew, okay, drive home. Woo. It yeah. it just becomes everything. And it's like, they end up doing it unconsciously because there's so many that they go through. And then, like, my mother had got to a point where she would smoke two to three packs a day. Mm. So it's like, and I know of people as of today who will go through two to three packs a day.
2: See, the problem, see, the crazy thing about the cigarettes is we know it had an addicting factor, and we we kept telling people that this will give you, you know, beyond just lung cancer, the way it, you know, the way it, it alters the mind state. But then you look at that same situation, they knew it, but they didn't say much about it, or they got otherwise try to um, poo poo it down. But when opioids came over and it started going into the rural areas, then they started seeing it as a crisis, but they were like, oh, snap, it's a crisis. The opioids are taking this effect on people. But even they try to poo-poo that now, and that became a prescription whereas c- cigarettes just became uh, a uh, almost like a like like alcohol it just became a side thing where it's like oh yeah, you can buy that you know it's on you, but opioids you have to be prescripted or given to you by your doctor so it's always funny how they take those two things in perspective
1: yeah
0: so <laughs> since you brought that up <laughs> so the thing is is that they've always known right. they've always known tobacco if you uh, I, I encourage anyone that wants to know about this to just look up their paperwork. It's it's public information. They know that people with melanin in their skin will get more hooked than anyone else. They know that their target has always been black people because of poverty, and that's their way of keeping us down. Check the paperwork. Also, they know that it will shut down on organs in our body because it. But they started advertising, telling people that. You can smoke cigarettes and it'll get rid of your asthma. At one point, they were telling them it was okay to smoke while pregnant. They had um, partials of women pregnant smoking cigarettes. They had advertisement of kids smoking cigarettes. Remember, I I don't know if you know, but you should. There was (laughs) bubblegum. Cigarette. Yeah. Yeah. You used to buy the bubblegum cigarettes yeah. to pretend like we were smoking. Nasty
2: gum. It was nasty. Yes, but
0: it was just to pretend like you were <laughs> smoking. you blew, it
2: blew the, put the pillow on the powerhouse.
0: Yes. Power out. And the pub, yes. <laughs> they, their whole goal has been to just alter our brains in so many different ways. But you wasn't going into no suburb area and catching no kids smoking no cigarette bubblegum. Hmm. That that. That. It's so much. Their marketing has been targeted towards black people from the beginning of when they started a lot of stuff and then now we're about to go into houses about a lot of things okay let me stop because uh-huh. <laughs> what, what i'm saying is is that the system has always been targeted to keep a black person down because they know if we rise it's over mm. and if you continue to target us in different areas because if they found a different way to deal with their problems like going to go work out mm-hmm. eat right that will alter your brain as well. Mm. You because people don't understand that if you just eat right, work out, drink your water, that type of stuff, you have uh, positive thoughts put in your brain on a regular daily basis. Down to what is being played on the radio, gang, gang, shoot them up, bang, bang, and then you got them smoking cigarettes because they stressed out. Then they eating all of this greasy food. Their brain is being altered on a daily basis, and it's nothing be- being fed but nothing but negativity.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: a lot of people don't seem to understand that what you put in your body, in your brain, in your mind, all of that alters how you deal with a situation right. so they don't want us to start going to go get therapy they don't want us to do all these different things that will help help us become better people it's just at the end of the day the goal is to keep black people down and my fight is to bring us back up so yes i know there's a lot of people that have been coming for me because of the fight against mental <laughs> there's <laughs> a lot of people coming for me man but they don't understand that it is more damaging than what they realize. And I had a conversation with someone who tried to tell me something about why would y'all target black people? And it's then a third. I said, okay, well, let me explain to you what I just went through with my mother. And then I'm breaking down everything. And at this time when I'm explaining it to this person, my mother was still alive, Mm -hmm. but to watch my mother die slowly, knowing what the end of this entire situation is, you know that your parents are going to die. But it's like the fact of being able to watch it for like six years straight of watching the whole decline of my mother's life and being the one that has to become her mother at this point. I'm like, you sitting there saying all of that because you want to satisfy yourself, but then your children have to watch this. And then people don't understand that, especially black people, that, okay, a lot of the stuff that we eat causes diabetes. Okay, but if you smoking cigarettes on top of that, you're guaranteed to get diabetes. You're guaranteed to have a heart failure. You're guaranteed to have lung failure. Like everything, because it cuts off the oxygen to your blood cells. And once the oxygen is cut off to your blood cells, everything else starts to break down. It's not just lung cancer that kills us. People don't seem to understand that it causes all these different things, especially with this COVID crack. Right. You know, it's right. like, okay, your lungs are weak already. Now you go to the, a wrong area at the wrong time, you catch COVID. I mean, your body can barely fight off what you got going on right now. You need your lungs. Right. And if they paid attention to how COVID breaks down your body or the stuff that they keep putting in us, like the you know, bacon and everything else like that, it, it's just we're doomed. I mean, come on. If you don't wake up, you're doomed.
2: For truth. But still, so a lot of that stuff is kind of been habited forming because unfortunately, that was given as when we were in the slave back in the slave back in the day stuff, where our food was technically, you know, they give, you know, chitlins came from the pig intestines. That stuff they didn't want to eat. We just made it suspended to, to make it look good for us or stuff that they were discarding. They just, we just took it and moved it over to make it palatable for us to eat. Unfortunately, being palatable, some people have used that as, just like shepherd's pie, that was used to be the poverty, the poor man's thing, until unfortunately it now became a new un, it became a or even lobster. It became a thing where you get so much, but now it became a delicacy, or this is what we eat. This is this is what I've been eating when I was fifty or fifty years old. It's like, yeah, because you didn't they didn't give you anything else different. This is now yeah. Path. yeah. So but but no. Speaking of which, you you're you're right about the negativity, but you also build a positivity not only on black people but also on um black women or 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 black girls right you point out about the their poem baby girl stuff so.
1: hold your head high and walk straight up for you are blessed and this is not luck baby girl I don't want you to confuse the two I want you to use what god has instilled in you to guide you I want you to know where you come from my land of kings and queens and all those beautiful things, ivory and gold, our story has been sold. You're never told to little girls like you.
2: I'm trying to basically um, instruct the, the the little girl to actually confront and rise up from where she's at. And I applaud you on that one because I have I have a daughter. Uh, she's 14 and stuff right now and stuff. And I know even even her she she may not get the brunt of the of the the struggle yet of being a black woman, but I think she's still well aware of some of the things she's got to just deal with in her endeavors and stuff as she grows up. So it's always pleasing to hear the black woman side telling a little black woman or a black girl, hey, you got it, you just gotta keep pushing. Hard. Right. <laughs> it's hard, it is hard. But no, um, I, did, I did want to, so I know a couple of um, motivational speakers but you're one of the ones that has intrigued me because you, you go over to UCFF, you know, the you know, University of San Francisco. You've gone to a lot of, a lot of places and stuff. How is the motivation? Um, I've, I know some of them actually have changed from being poets to motivational speakers. Speak about that. Because I got a lot of people that tell me it's almost the same, but it's a, you're just taking your poems or your stories and now switching the gears and making it something where it can be palatable as you talk to people and influence or motivate. them. Well,
0: um, it's a little bit of both. Okay. Uh, for me, my thing, cause I, I, I speak at schools, um, elementary, junior high, high school. I finally did my first elementary school nice. before COVID. I was like, so excited. The <laughs> little girls loved me. Oh my God. Can you sign this? I was like, <laughs> I had them little girls come to me and ask me that I've had kids come to me and ask, can they use my phone in, uh, uh, competitions and things like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's just, um, as far as switching over to motivation, it, some things fall into your lap. It never was a goal. It, the, poetry, the way that I do it right now, it never was a goal. It became a goal when doors just continue to open. And then I started to realize how far I could actually go in it and what writing can actually do for me Um, and others uh, just telling my story touches others. And I did not know that. I mean, I fell in love with Maya Angelou and just writing about my story just to get it out because I didn't like telling people my secrets. Mm -hmm. So I would I would just write. And then um, now with the whole thing of like motivational speaking, people would literally come to me and be like, I need you to lift them up. We're going to be doing this and I need you to, and I'm like, I got this, but I listen to motion, motivational speaking every day to the way I start off my day. Uh, um, I like, like I said, it's all about what you feed your brain because you, if you're going to take on these fights with this world and at some, most of the time it's lonely,
1: <laughs>
0: it's just, you've got to find a way to constantly feed your brain that you can do this because sometimes you're going to wake up and you're going to feel like you can't do this. And to hear someone constantly in your ear, because Les Brown is one of my favorite. To constantly have someone telling you, "Get up, got this. You're not gonna let your your uh, your goals and your dreams are waiting on you," and it's just like you become unstoppable once you confront all your fears and you confront all your problems, your trials, your tribulations, your pain, everything that you've dealt with, once you're able to look that in his face, you're able to talk to others about how they can get through there. In the process of me doing motivational speaking, I also be working on myself. So not only am I talking to them, I'm talking to myself. So it's not that I feel like I'm up or above anyone else. What makes it so easy for me is I'm just telling them how I feel. How I, I speak as if I'm speaking to myself. I, I try to encourage people the same way that I wish someone was there to encourage me. <laughs> so it's it's just it's my way of trying to give back in some way. I just want to make an impact on this world. And I don't want to leave here and not make an impact. You know what I mean? I want my stamp to be made. Um, my mom had a stamp. I'm not going to lie. It's kind of it, my mom. She was the first black. Candy's manager oh. ever. And I'm like, okay, you was the first. What? Okay. okay. I didn't find this out until she passed away. Oh. But it was just like, it's amazing to even know that my mom even did that in the process of because that's how she even started smoking in the first place. Right. But she was the only black woman there. And um one of the ladies asked her to one of the ladies that they she went out for a break and all she would always see, and she told me that she would always see you know, the white girls outside smoking cigarettes. And one day she was like, can I have one? And then after that, it was a wrap. And that's how she became a smoker. Because um, she smoked my brother's whole pregnancy. Because they told her it was okay. Even the doctors told her it was okay. Um, and then people say, <laughs> but people people even say stuff on the thing. Like They say it on the box that it could be damaging. When you start smoking, you don't really read the stuff. There is so much they say about weed and people still doing it. It's so much they say about alcohol. We still turn up at parties. So it's like, honestly, it's not, it's no, it's, it's more against the people that were putting out the product because their main goal was not to tell us what was going on. Like you said earlier, when you were saying that they did not, um, they did not want to talk about the damage that it does to your body until like the whole thing with the opioid and all that. Well, the (laughs) epidemic, I want to say pandemic, (laughs) (laughs) when they took over, um, it's mainly like Orange County, you know, um, it's more in the suburbs than anything because black people didn't have their hands on it, or at least youthful didn't. Right. So they had to start putting it out there. But if you think about it, when commercials, they could not even talk about their opposer. Like they could only put out, like, don't, don't do this buy Ziploc, don't buy that. Or right. buy, But they could not tell you what they were going up against. Now they can actually tell you uh, Comcast is better than DirecTV. Now they can actually come out and say that. <laughs> yeah. They used to could not say that at all. Right. Um, They, uh, But now they can. Yeah. So the same thing with like the information with the cigarettes. Now they have to put the information out. They didn't used to have to put the information out. They could put the cigarettes out. They can sell to whoever they want to. Because I used to go to the stores with a note. You can sell to whoever you want to. But now it's to the point where it's being pushed that you can't. People started getting smarter and started fighting. And that's why things are the way that they are right now. But before, no, no. People were doing what they wanted to because they could. And it was like it was more of a social gathering. And now it's become a need for our, our community because of the chain, and I want to say chain of command, because if my mom was smoking and then I'm raised in a house with her, at one point, I, I did try to start smoking, mm-hmm. but your body is used to it. Your body is mm-hmm. used to it, so when you move out and you start doing your own thing, and then you just your body's still craving the smell and this, that, and the third, Second hand.
1: And,
0: and then you just kind of start and I, I know the damages, so that's what made me not really want to go into it, and it was like my brain was fighting over all of that. So it's like some people you grow up seeing it and smelling it on a regular basis. Your next door neighbor could have been a smoker. You could have been a smoker. They could have been. And then you're around it so much that you become a smoker or it just becomes a social thing where everybody else is smoking. So now you want to smoke because those are the people that you with.
2: Hmm. It's funny how you say that because I remember I found out later on, my mom was a smoker before I was born. And then my dad kind of, kind of made her not smoke before I became before I became born and stuff. And she didn't smoke for about thirteen, fourteen years. But then she when she got when she got back in college and was going for a bachelor's degree, she got more stressed out and had to smoke. But then it also got became worse because a boyfriend she met was a smoker too. And I kind of looked at her with ill will going, why are you with this dude and why are you smoking? And it took like four years before she actually like stopped. But it was just the fact of her Going back, with it wasn't it wasn't like even a wasn't even like she was um holding back. It was just like she didn't do it for so long until someone else did it, and then she jumped into it. And I was like, wow, that's that doesn't it doesn't take much to put you back to where where you were. It for.
0: triggers something. Yeah. It's not nothing personal. Like I'm not mad at my mom like, at all. At one point, I was when I was younger, mm-hmm. but not understanding life. Once I be able became able to understand life, and becoming a mother of my own. Mm -hmm. um, I understand. I have a a better understanding of what was going on with my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she's a single mother of kids. So So it's like, um, the whole thing of, it just triggers, it's kind of like, you know how you can walk into a certain area or a certain time of your life or a certain smell it will trigger something else and it'll take you back there. It's not on purpose. It just your body does it and then to someone else, they're like, why would you do that? And why? And you know what this will do to you and all this. And then they're like, they can't explain it. Uh, like, <laughs>
1: it's,
0: it yeah, it's, good. it's like it just makes things a little bit easier. So it's probably because, you know, she's melting and she was just like, you know, when you're dating a drinker, it's easy to drink even though you're not a drinker. If right. you're not out of a weed smoker and you date someone who smokes weed, you're around it 24 seven. It becomes one day to be 10 years later. You just be like, let me hit this. You know, (laughs) it ends up happening because you're around it so much. And people don't want to admit, and I have had this fight with so many people. You can become a product of your environment. Mm. So many people think that you can't. It's it's this, it's that. No, you're around it so much. Why do you think there's so many baby mamas? (laughs) You're a product of your environment. it's a norm i mean i I, part of the reason why i do the motivational speaking to youth and our um young girls growing up in dd struggling
1: um
0: (laughs) (laughs) i honestly did not know i thought people with money money live on tv shows only okay? okay i did not know if you just drove your butt across the water and these people have millions of dollars and things like that. I didn't know it was in that close range of me. I thought you had to be like Michael Jackson or something right. like they don't, they don't educate you on the fact of how you could actually become this person too. They educate you on, you, you got to write in cursive. Well, they don't do that no more, but you had the right cursive and one, two threes and all this other stuff that I don't even remember no more. But it's like, they don't, build you up to let you know that you can actually become somebody. They want you to build up to the point where you work for somebody. And so it's it's not fair. So, like, I try to ex- explain to these youth that you can be whatever you want. If you want that money, go get it. If you want to do this, go do it. Don't let no one stop you. Because at the end of the day, people are going to continue if it wasn't you, someone else is going to do it. Somebody going to do what it is that you want to do so you we get so caught up in the oh i just got to be a doctor oh i gotta be a police officer and i gotta be this and these people cost the lot, and they the ones making the machines that they that they use in it in these hospitals they ain't working for nobody mm-hmm. so i don't know nothing. you know you you become a product of your environment it wasn't until i became an adult where i understood that you could be anything that you wanted to be or you can do whatever you want it to do. And it's, people with money is right next door. And you don't even know it. Not
1: either.
0: And it's like, you can't have it. But I don't know. A lot of a lot of people be like, why would you think like that? Because I'm being honest. If it's not around you as a, a youth, you really don't understand it. Or even the same way racism is taught. Racism is taught to a child. And they thinking that they can do all of these other things and they want to go try this, and they want to go do this, and they want to cut out, cut out this person because that's what they were taught. If you're not taught it, how are you going to think you're going to be able to become it? You got to go find it. And it ain't until you do your own research that you find out the facts about anything.
2: Well, that's the you know, another thing, because I've am noticed the facts that people people have now gotten this sense of if I don't see it, then it's not something I can be. You know, President was never, saw, never something a black person thought they could be. Uh, you know, we can see judges or whatever, even astronaut was not something they thought they could be. But it's even more funnier, the fact is there has been people that have been these things. Unfortunately, they're just not in the history books and we're not looking around for them because not, not, it's not on our eyesight. I mean, there's been a female black astronaut. There's been a black president. There's been, there's been so many other things, but people, I mean, we really need to take our, check our history um some of the stuff that has been put in I mean a black person is to be the pillicicin penicillin i mean it's we've done so much meta um so much stuff in the venture side of it, but unfortunately it's not put in the history book saying that hey, you know it was a black person that made that, or you know beyond just the whole whole thing of music and stuff we've done also some inventions and even the first black person who actually was the first person who actually had a website was a black person. Hey. And no one, no one puts that out. So it's always the funny thing how what they what they um, project on your information. But what you need to do is know that everything that's being being formed to you is basically being misinformed because you got to go look for yourself. They're not going to tell you, "Hey, you, you can be anything you want."
0: Because uh, even a black woman, I, isn't, wasn't it a black woman that created the GPS? Yes, it was the
2: one that actually created the actual full GPS system. So but
0: what kind of voice are we listening to when we're driving? That's <laughs> true.
2: That is true. It's 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 a funny thing how that is spoken out. And even uh, I was going to point that out is when you're when you're talking about dating and stuff. I did hear I did hear your um your the episode which you were on on the sexy side of size the sexy side of size. I did hear that I was going to I was going to talk to you about that. I was going to we'll be it- going to be very brief. But that was interesting. I was like, oh, snap. This is something I, I didn't know. I was looking because You said, look around for you. And I was like, oh, all right, cool. I and didn't even I did. know she posted
0: it like that. Whoa.
2: <laughs> but That's crazy. <laughs> it was interesting. I was like, oh, snap. I didn't know this. And you know, <laughs> point out some points that now I have to do it myself and go, okay, I got to do that to my girl. Because, unfortunately, it's <laughs> like, Yo, you know, we don't like this about our feet. Like, oh, okay. I got to take some notes, man. Take notes on this. Because it's true. It's a true style. <laughs> You and DJ Millions, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: didn't know that was out there like that, yes, yo. Yes.
2: <laughs> but that was good. It was good to see you. Also had a, beyond the serious side, there's a, a humorous side that you do point
0: out. So yeah, I, you know, you see, I was trying to be as reserved as possible. They kept <laughs> trying to pull me in. I'm like, whoa!
2: <laughs> oh. Open the doors. Open the doors. No, come on. Oh. I'm like.
0: Right, y'all tripping. Wait a minute, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> I don't know who's going to see it. See, see, <laughs> see, that's exactly why.
2: It's on the internet, you know, it's on forever.
0: <laughs> right, that, uh, see, that's exactly why I was careful. Because <laughs> I got an image
2: <laughs> But I do know one thing that uh, when I first met you was in Sacramento, there, there's a place called the Rank Studios in um, Northern Sac. Uh, They call it Uptown. Uh, There's a place called Acapella. Start clapping right now. Start clapping right now. Start clapping right now for Six Footer, the Poet, Oakland, California. Which was run by a a gentleman we know. But also was also with it was Brandon Leak. And you and Brandon know each other. Yeah. yeah. So tell. Us, uh, I know Brandon won the American Got Talent winner. You know he's he might my, be my boy too. Shout outs to Brandon and stuff. But how did you meet Brandon?
0: Uh through poetry. Through poetry. Um, he did an event. Wow, a long time ago, probably like 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, 14, maybe 13, somewhere on there. He did. Uh. Um, Probably 14. Um he came and did uh open mic event and this was uh he, he yeah, he did an open mic event and we met Dan briefly. We reconnected with uh a cappella. So when we reconnected with a cappella, you know, friendship just took back because he, he ended up coming to feature for my birthday right after that. So um I ended up doing this big birthday celebration and had all my people come through and perform for me, and he came and closed us out. So,
2: did you always saw see him as the the superstar person that is before it before America Got Talent got a hold of it and stuff? I've always thought
0: he was dope. Right. Like, I've always thought he was dope. i like that's the, actually we're we got some big stuff coming up next year okay. together, but we've been working on it before the whole America's Got Talent. But um. Yeah, he actually <laughs> he actually let me hear the poem before he went to America's got Talent. Okay. Before he went for the for the first um what was it, In it for the first audition?
2: Right.
0: And he was like I'm go, I'm getting ready to go and I want I want you to hear this poem. So he let me hear it and I was like oh you about to kill it. You won. <laughs> and he was like what are you talking about? I said you won the whole thing. And then he was like I was like I ain't even tripping. You got this.
2: <laughs> oh, you mean- so- the baby is baby daughter poem or the oh,
0: the first poem that he okay, did.
2: Okay. Okay. So oh, that's his sister. His sister's poem.
0: Yes. That's the one that he did for the audition. Okay. And so, um, when he let me hear that one, cause he actually did that one for my birthday. Oh, nice. Uh, when he actually did that one. Um, they, he, he, when he told me he was on the, I like, you got this, you got this. That's You're awesome. going to win the whole thing. Like, that's all I told him. I'm like, you got the whole thing bagged up. And as he kept on, because he, he kept calling. So we have a group, and we'll be on FaceTime together. And he'll call us, and we'll listen to the poems before. And, you know, we help critique. And it's a, we're a team, right? Nice. And so uh, <laughs> I was like, you won. I don't understand why we keep doing this. <laughs> 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 Him. I'm like, you got the whole <laughs> thing. He was 6 <fixed>. You're tripping. <laughs> I got it. I'm like, okay, let's go. <laughs> but I, I already felt that in my soul because they're the type of person he is. You know, some things just inevitable. Like you can't get around it. Some things you, you, you're you supposed to be. Like there ain't nothing about it. It wasn't given this thought, this option over and over again. And then you constantly, he was supposed to. That's all I have to say about him. I've always thought he was dope. I mean, because some of the poems y'all hear now, he already had out.
2: Right. I, I mean, I've, I've heard I've heard a lot of his poems before. Even when he right, his see, they're just now out. hearing them, and yeah. I'm like,
0: I already told you were dope. Yeah. Like if they just now hearing they they just now finding out. Like, right?
2: do, do you think that's kind of a weird thing? That I mean, like, I mean, I would suspect somewhat of Howard Mandel. It wasn't his Wilhelm. Same thing with you know, Sammy Collins and stuff. They just, they think poetry. They just kind of look at the whole Shakespeare or wherever the heck they go on to. They don't think of anything that happened in the nineties or anything. They just think that that was rap or some nonsense, but you know, all the stuff that's been happening in spoken word, death, poetry, dram and everything else that's been going on. They just look at it. That's a black thing until it comes out. And it's like, wait a minute. We need this. There's, there are people that do this? Yes.
0: There's people that do smoke. And get paid to do it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah. A lot of people don't think it. <laughs> when I tell people I'm a poet, okay, so what is your job?
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, it is, a, is this
0: my job. <laughs>
1: yeah. They don't
0: understand that. Like, I just ran into someone else. So I see you doing your thing. So what? Uh, no, she said, I see you doing your little thing. I'm like, hmm. Hmm. so she was like, so uh, so what? how'd you get into that? Now I'm telling her a little bit of it. And then she was like, so what is your job? Like, you don't have a job. <laughs> I, I, you don't understand how much I be working. This is for everybody. Don't tell an artist. Do you have a job or you don't have? Uh, y'all have no idea what goes into becoming an artist, creating work, memorizing work keeping our minds clear because it is so hard. Some people can just go to a job. They know what they're going to do, type of this, type of that. And then they go home. So they really don't have to be mentally sane. Okay. We have to be mentally sane to go out and deal with people on a regular basis that want to be in our face and ask us 50 million questions. And we can care less about sometimes, you know, people are just, Oh, you know, they just, So is this your job? Like, it's not fair. You know, those are the questions that we can care less about. Or is this your job? So it's a lot because just like everyone else, we got to go home and deal with life. And I have two kids. So we have to go home and deal with life and still find a way to keep our bodies together, our minds together, our spirits together, write, memorize, and still put this stuff out and still be our own administrative assistant. And it's not easy, so it's just like, it's kind of like a slap in the face every time somebody says, is this your job?
1: Yeah, yeah. I feel, yeah. You don't have
2: I feel a not. job. I feel 100%. It's like, you should, have a, you should have a daily job while somebody else is doing your artistry. Like, whatever. <laughs> it,
0: it's, it's, just, it's, just, it's offensive, that's
2: all. It's it offensive. I, I think, um, unfortunately, people, kind of, sometimes people just kind of look at you and say it just so they want to get a rise out of you. And that's the, the funnier part. It's like, wait a minute, you're doing that intentionally, aren't you? And yeah. you can't call them out. I wish I can call them out. Just go, you know, you shouldn't say anything because is this your job?
0: <laughs> right. Is this your job to get it on my nerves? All right. Seriously.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, your job is a poet or spoken word artist. Okay, so that's one thing that's why it bug means is the difference of it. The spoken word artist and the poet. And I always laughed at that because it's like, okay, so when I hear people, I always always hear people say I'm a spoken word artist, and I think they say that so they don't get themselves pigeonholed, and they can do like singing or whatever and other things and stuff instead of just being pointed out as I'm a poet and I only do poems. I can do stories and still be a spoken word artist. I can do I can sing and still be a spoken word artist because that's all. It's basically a brand. It's just a a vague word. It goes with anything. It's just basically speaking. Whereas I'm a poet, I'm only doing poetry and poems or prose or whatever. It's not a, it's not a a term that's, you know, been placed up on. Was that?
0: No, I'm listening. I was about to tell you. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay. So like poets,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I would consider that I put the stuff that I write to go into a book is my poetry the stuff that you can read and any it's open for interpretation from anybody. No two people read the same thing the same way. Right. So that would be my poem. But when I get out there and I speak, I'm not giving you birds and the bees are in the sky and they fly. I'm not giving you that. That's some constant, uh, memory, like constant rhyming back and forth. Poet, uh, Spoken word is more of, it's meant for you to feel. We want you to feel our words. We don't want you to just hear our words. We want you to feel them. So when we do the spoken word, it's to get into your soul however way we can. So if it's singing with it, if it's dancing with it, if it's yelling with it, if it's acting with it, our main mission is for you to feel how we felt while we were writing. that. We're looking at
2: it. I mean, yeah.
0: Because when I get asked, when I tell someone I'm a poet, they instantly think, like I said, the birds and the bees, you, that kind of crap. And I'm that's not crap, but you get what I'm saying? Like, for me, <laughs> for me, I, I pride myself on my spoken word. I love my spoken word because I can demand a room. My main mission is for you to feel everything that I say. Because I, I, get, I get people to tell me all the time, you gave me chills. And I'm like... Well, I wanted you to feel exactly how I felt in that moment when I was writing what I was writing. And if you can't feel what I'm writing, then I ain't doing something right.
2: Hmm. But would you so, take that? Would you take being a, a word, the word, the coin word of motivational speaker more than spoken word? Then
0: nope.
2: Okay.
0: Because it's artistry. When I do my um motivational speaking, it's off the top of my head. I feel hmm. the room. I feel their energy, and I feed off of that. Okay my spoken word is for you to feel my energy opposite. So I need, I got to know what you need. So when I do my motivational speaking, something like I I did a um, conference down in Long Beach and I needed to sit down and talk with the organizers of who's going to be at this event. What is it that you want me to say? How are you trying to get me to come across so that I can know who I'm trying to direct this message to? So I have to know what I'm trying to get across. I got to pump you up. like I can just, The same thing that I said there, I can't stay at a church. Sure. So I know that when I walk, because I do speak at churches, I know that when I walk inside of a church, I know what I'm there for. You know what I mean? I know who I want to get you fired up for. Right. When I go to these different events, schools, colleges, and things like that, I got to know what classroom I'm walking in and what we are talking about before I get there. And what is it that uh, the main mission of this conference or this seminar that you guys have going on? So I can feed into that, get questions from the crowd, get them energized, get them there where they need to be. Like I said, I speak to them and speak to myself because there's not one room that I haven't walked into that I haven't spoken to myself as well. And so <clears throat> it's like that, that's my main thing is the, I feed off their energy for my motivational speaking, and I, I want them to feel my energy.
2: Why I do my spoken word. Really? Well, so I'm gonna start getting into the two questions, though. And you already, you kind of answered one, but we'll, I'll say it anyway. So we have a thing where um, there's a thing called po- poets who basically write on the page and stuff. We call them page poets or literary poets. And then there is the stage poet, which basically writes the CDs, makes the speeches, do the performances and stuff. And there's always been a constant rift between both sides and stuff. And we call it page versus the stage. So I am coming to you, Six Footer. Where do you feel comfortable? On the page, the stage, or both? Both. <clears throat> yeah, why? Uh, uh, uh <laughs> Why
0: would I? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, because I think I'm an all-around artist. I, I, I think that's the thing. Um, I, I enjoy all of it. Like I, I draw, I draw, I write songs for others, like, I, I, I just love art, I think, okay, I'll tell you why, my main thing is, is that life is created off of art, to me, because it takes for you to get dressed, you gotta match it up, the colors gotta coincide, and everything else. Your hairstyle got to go with this outfit and this, that, and the third. Everything from the time you get up and start your day, is art. To the time you pick out your car that you're going to drive, how you decorate your house, how you... We have visions on how our kids are going to look. That's art. So it's... I just feel like everything is art. So I don't know if I'm supposed to really pick a side.
2: <laughs> Not really. It's, it's more just a fact of what you feel comfortable with and stuff. Because some people may feel comfortable with the page or from you may feel comfortable with the stage. So people come from both. Hey, that's,
0: yeah, I, I do my, cause I, I love being on the stage. Yeah. Now don't get me wrong. Being on the stage is life for me. I miss <laughs> the stage. I really do. I miss the stage. You're feeling everybody's energy. And then people telling, cause that's how you keep going a lot with, as an artist is people coming up to you, telling you that they loved your work. They enjoyed it. Um, that you have encouraged them in some way, shape or form. That's really how it keeps me pumping and going because I know I'm doing it for a purpose. I'm not doing it selfishly. So it's my life, but then I like writing. I mean, I don't sit down and write it. I don't come out. So I don't know.
2: So good. <laughs> but so the next one I was I, I didn't know if you were a hip hop head or anything. I mean being from Oakland, you know, Hieroglyphics, Her- Dale, and all of them stuff, I was thinking, or even Too Shorten, and even a lot of Mac Mall, a lot of the guys and stuff. And even you and Vallejo, you probably messing with, you know, E40, Mac Mall, the whole clique, and everybody else out there. I want to know, being Bar- Barrier Certified, who are your top five rappers?
0: Because I'm not going to lie, I had all nothing but Bay Area artists growing up. Like, E40 is always going to be number one. Period, point blank. That is my favorite rapper. Hands down. I mean, I'm, I'm from the back. <laughs> He's the ambassador. How could you not love the ambassador? <laughs> but I love me some E-40. Uh, then also, um, but see, as I've gotten older, my artist has changed to like Wale, J. Cole, um, uh, some of Jay I'm not a big I don't know, but it's like Wale, that's a constant play. J. Cole is a constant play. E-40 is a constant play. Um, You know, I like Old School Too Short, but what he stands for and who I stand for as of today, I can't do too much of Too Short from back in the day. That's not who I am as of today. So I can't sit there and say that it's still Too Short. That's why I'm saying like a lot of the artists that I grew up on, um, their message, I can't rock with their message anymore. So that plays a big part. I just can't get rid of E40. Because <laughs> he does have a lot of game. He has a lot of game at his work. And he's not calling every female the B word. So, um, and then he stands for something because this man is still married. Um, but like I said, J. Cole, and you know, it's back and forth with the J. Cole and the Wale. There are some things that they don't speak on, but I mean, Rakim. I have my old school, and then I got, I say, Andre 3000. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Andre 3000. I do love Pimp C, but I gotta lead him to the side. we talking about what <laughs> I stand for, but Andre 3000, it would be Andre 3000, Wale, J. Cole, E41st, and
1: <laughs> That's where
0: it comes I don't think I may listen to, but those are my top ones, you know all
2: right all right I'm, for the
0: base. I'm gonna say something like rapping for day i was that's what I, I that's what i listen to by myself by myself <laughs> with the earbuds on i can't blast that on my stereo and stuff in front of the kids
2: <laughs> drew down or anything like oh, i can't think oh of no <laughs> i don't
0: need my daughter walking through the house saying none of them words man <laughs> <laughs> that's why we don't play cardi b we do not oh, play they're... cardi b she is okay. not allowed to be played in my house at all. We will fight.
1: <laughs> that makes
2: sense. <laughs> there you
0: go. <laughs> and then her message to get, she trying to get across has nothing to do with what I stand for. Nope. So, um, I can't, I can't. There's, you've seen sexy side things. I'm sitting there like, hmm. <laughs> what did I sign up
2: for? Like I said, said you are you're, you're very discreet. I mean, they were going elaborate, but you're very discreet with what you were going for, and you just stepped it. I, I didn't let him look at it any for while or anything. I was like, okay, cool. And then DJ Million doing his thing, like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> those, those two women, they're basically like, mm, this is what we like. Mm-hmm. What yeah, like, girls. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I let
0: them have that. I was like, I don't know why y'all pick me. I don't even know why y'all pick me because I am so reserved. <laughs> When it comes to talking about certain things, that's just my husband. When I get married, who's the only person that's supposed
2: go. to hear about that type of thing. So, so. <laughs> but, but no doubt, we're getting close to the end and stuff. And I just wanted to give you the the floor so you can tell everybody where they can find you on your social media and also on your website. So let, let them know.
0: Okay. On social media, on IG, I am under six foot of the poet. S I X. F O O T A H underscore the poet, um, on Facebook I am under Tasha Six the poet, um, on the internet I am on Six the um, on Twitter I am Six the poet. Everything is Six of the poet, but it is spelled out S I X F O O T A H. The poet. So if you're looking for me, you can just put in six footers.
2: And yes, folks, she is six feet.
0: <laughs> Even
2: we did we did we did we did time. I am six foot one, two right now. I'm six two, but yeah. But she is six foot. Still and my mom,
1: she was
0: six, <laughs> two. Was
2: six two. Oh nice. Yeah, bro- bro- two. The worst thing about it is my brother's six five. So it was always funny when my my mom was always say, he's gonna be taller than me. I was like, No, he isn't. And then he got taller. So I was like, I'm still going to beat you behind. I
0: don't care what you're <laughs> you say. he You be tall as that. That is so out. funny. That is so funny. <laughs> you know, my mom, she was 6'2". My uncle was like 7'2". Then Dang. I had another Dang. uncle that was 6'8". Another uncle that's like 6'6". Six six. My brothers are all 6-something, except for two, and They hate it.
2: Dang. <laughs> they became the runt. So they're like, oh, how do to become the runt?
0: <laughs> yeah, one of them is like five. Nine, oh, yeah, that's a stinger, oh, and then yeah. the other one is like 5'11. So, you oh, got
2: slapped in the face,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the so younger one is the tallest, the older one is the tallest. They're all huge, and I come from a huge family. There you go, my kids are huge.
2: <laughs> there you go. Well, thank you, Six Footer, for blessing my show and having this conversation with me. I mean it was it was it was well it was well worth talking about you your journey and you're still going on progression and even about you knowing brandon and stuff and and just I just see the cycle I mean I already talked to Jose the vita poetic and we already I already talked to him and I already see the progression that everyone even 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 though they even though brandon's been his own thing who he has in his camp that's also a big thing too so True, true. that man is
0: amazing he's he's dope i i don't try to take nothing from him i've always said that and i I I, when i posted him on my social media i I was like because i was so excited i was like my gift came because i love his poetry i was so excited i kind of worded it wrong because the man is all married i shouldn't have said my gift (laughs) i I didn't mean to say it like that but you know know what i mean i was just like my gift because i think he's so dope and this is what my my birthday was january 6th okay so and this was before we had all of this yeah. stuff going on. And I was before or he auditioned. So it was just like I've always looked at him as a dope artist. The way he delivers his poetry, the way he commands a stage. I was, I mean, when we got done with a cappella, I was sitting there like, what me? All, right. all right. I see you now. Like
2: he just, he
0: just he leveled up like crazy because Woo! Yes, and I have his CD because that poem about God. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness! Yes, Lord. I,
2: I, didn't, I didn't remember seeing you when you were when when he was um, taking video of the when he was showing off the um, his his um the video with um they actually were pre- broadcasting the one about his dead sister. And I saw and I saw you in the room with them and stuff. And y'all just sitting there looking. And then when he got the bell, you're like, what? And the
0: whole crowd and was... Like, Can I tell you something? He told me. I think mean, I had came down and... I had came to his house. We had dinner or something prior to all of this. He told me then that he got the golden buzz, right? Okay. But I forgot. <laughs> I completely forgot. I don't know what it was. I was like, at the end of the night, after everybody had left, I was like, wait. You told me you got the golden <laughs> I don't understand why I just went bananas. Cause when he got the golden buzzer, I jumped up because I hadn't. I was recording on both yeah. of my uh, websites, yeah. and I was just sitting there recording. And when they said that, I was like, yeah, I lost it. And then later on that night, cause I was just, why you didn't you tell me? Why? You, I had thought about it. Yeah, he told me. I was just so excited to actually see it that I lost it. Like I, you know, that's my boy. I think if anybody deserved it, it was him. You know what I'm saying? Like. I like being connected to people who are making changes in this world. And he got people looking at poetry and, 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 and spoken word a whole different way. We had deaf poetry jam. We had all of these different things, poetry slams, mm-hmm. but we don't get the recognition that's deserved. And there are people saying that that's not art, but you don't understand what it takes. Like I've said before to create this just because it's not over a beat. We do a whole poem within three to four minutes and without no pause and without no rip- repetitive parts like you have with the chorus and the bridge and things like that. We do a whole three or four minutes of something that we had to memorize off the top of our head with no beat playing in the background and deliver it to you and, and try to demand your attention the entire time that we're saying it because we have no beat, because we have no repetitive hook. We just basically are delivering you our heart and our soul. So honestly, that is artwork. And if you're able to sit there and watch the whole thing and then tell me it's not art. I
2: know it's hard because you sat there and watched the whole thing. I think we can get off with that. That's dope. <laughs> you, six foot. Everyone else, peace. Get on the six foot side. She's got some stuff to tell you. And plus, also say no to say no to tobacco, menthols, all that. Say no because we don't. You don't need to be in the situation. You don't. You don't. Strive up, people. Strive up. All right. Peace, y'all. <laughs> For more information, please go to linktr dot e -e slash iambic zine iambiczine
1: Thank you.